the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul goes back to the book of Isaiah once again, and he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I don't think this is just talking about heaven, although I believe it is. I also think it's talking about our life here on earth. God will use you following him to do unbelievable things as you seek his will. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our joy each day to bring you Exploring the Word, where we dig into the Word of God, and this time it's in 1 Corinthians, and it's in chapter 2. Alex, he starts off chapter 2, verse 1, and says, Brethren, and uh, he, he really wants them to know that this relationship that he has with them is real. He considers it important that he reminds them of this relationship. If you look to chapter 3, you'll see him say, brethren, once again. Now, when I, why would I bring that up? Because this, this letter is a pretty, pretty disciplinary letter telling them these things you ought not to do, these things you should do. So, Alex, this relationship that Paul has with them, he's reminded of them of this. This is, he's saying this is for your best interest. And uh, he's driving that home, isn't he? Well, he really is. And you know something, if I had to describe, well, all of Paul's letters, but especially this 1 Corinthians, it's practical. You know, I mean, there is just so much good, common sense, practical wisdom for Christian living in these. And of course, we're going to get here in 1 Corinthians 2 to one of my favorite verses of all. But Bert, you know, as, as he talks about, you know, the local church, divisions, he's going to address even things like lawsuits, meat offered to idols. I mean, Paul's got a lot of pragmatism in him, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, false teachers, marriage and divorce, um, the resurrection. It's just really good practical wisdom for living the Christian life, isn't it? It is, and we need it, and that's why I think he makes it known here. Uh, in chapter 1, he dwelt on wisdom so much. Wisdom, you'll see that repeated. To begin chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, again, he talks about human wisdom, men's wisdom. But in chapter 2, verse 2, he introduces another name or word, I determined not to know anything among you mm. except Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorite verses. And then notice what happens. He In verses 6, he talks about wisdom. But then in 7, but then he talks about knowing what you know. And so I went through and underlined the wisdom and the know. Here's what you do. You want to know Christ. And when you know him and, your whole, and the Holy Spirit is guiding you, wisdom comes uh, it really does, but we need to know him. And so here he says, Brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, the man's wisdom, declaring you the testimony of God. That word testimony really could say mystery of God, the mysteries of who he is and about salvation. But he said, I, why was this important? Because 
the Corinthians put a staple, high standard on oratory. And I think that's one of the reasons that Apollos is mentioned in the division because no doubt Apollos was a great orator. He had mm-hmm. great abilities, and th- not that his doctrine was different, but that would elevate him with a lot of people because he was so eloquent in his speech. And so Paul is saying, I didn't come to you with that. I came with n- determining that you would only know about Christ. Now, Alex, this is not taken away from great preachers like Spurgeon, not great pre- preachers like Stephen Olford, that, I mean, their oratory the, the was... The orators. Yes, yeah. that's great. But it's not how they do it. It's the message that they proclaim. Isn't that what Paul is trying to drive home? Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, the Apostle Paul, he certainly did know how to be bold. I mean, if you read Romans 15 and, of course, Acts 17, uh, Paul knew how to flex his intellectual muscles. And, and I do think he could probably... Uh, orate with the best of them, you know, I mean, but he's talking to fellow believers here. He's not debating the philosophers on Mars Hill. He's talking to fellow Christians, and he said, uh, you know, and I love, of course, verse 2, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, Paul was uh, incredibly literate uh, and knew lots of things, but in in other words, he's saying the most important thing I, I stand for is Jesus and his death and resurrection. And he says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Verse 5 there, 1 Corinthians 2, 5. uh, Their faith, their hope, their identity, it wasn't that... Paul was their discipler. You remember he said, I'm thankful I didn't baptize any more of you than than I did. Uh, But it was in the power and the message of God. Um, It's been said that a Christian can see farther on his knees than a philosopher on his tiptoes, right? Right. And and, uh, Paul certainly appreciated, uh, you know, intellect and academics, as, as do we. But let's, let's remember, like Paul is saying here, this is about the simplicity of the gospel. God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, so I think he's taking great pains to what he's calling them to. He's calling them to the, the purity of the gospel and the honest Christian life lived for Jesus. It's not persuasion. It's not... Um, you know, anything other than the gospel message and the power of God. Amen. And we need to remember geographically, Corinth is not that far from Athens. And again, you're talking about a Greek culture that put a lot of emphasis on wisdom, man's wisdom. So all through this first two chapters, Paul is again and again saying it in verse 5, declares it plainly, Alex, this confrontation that Paul has given them, that they've been easily turned by the wisdom of men, that your faith should not be faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The wisdom of men does not have power to change. It may have mm-hmm. power to persuade. It may have power to to argue. 
but the power of God is changed. As he would talk about it later on to the Corinthians, that you're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed, the new has come. And so it's that change. And again, like we talked about it yesterday uh, in chapter 6, and it's talking about them and how they were adulterers, homosexuals. Such were some of you, but God had delivered them. So the power of God is really being demonstrated in 1 Corinthians. As you Amen. said, it was so practical about divisions. It was practical about finances. It was practical about marriage. And where do you have the victory in these areas? Not in the wisdom of men, but the power of God that's through faith in Jesus Christ. Verses 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8, it's amazing. Paul says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, what this is saying is uh, philosophy. The word is is sophistry or sophia. All right, those that are mature, they they handle big, lofty ideas, academic things. But he says, look, I'm giving you with the true wisdom, the gospel, but not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. So, in other words. The, the simplicity of the gospel is more profound than the loftiest <laughs> intellect the mind of man thinks he can conjure up. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes or the rulers of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, Bert, I want to throw something out here. It's it's interesting. Uh Everybody needs food. Some people, though, exist on rice, and other people eat steak and fine foods. Everybody needs housing. Some people live in a hut. Some people live in a mansion. I mean, there are some of the the accoutrements of this world that some experience and others never experience. Um, We need transportation. Some people get through this life on foot. Other people ride in a Rolls Royce. But one of the beautiful things is, look, a relationship to God is available to everybody. And in fact, some of the lowly people of this world have wisdom and insight about the things of God that the educated, wealthy people don't even have. And so Paul's making it clear, Bert, that the wisdom of this world and the mind of man is not necessarily the same thing as the truth of God and the movement of the Spirit. Isn't it a blessing an illiterate pauper can understand God who sent his Son? And on the flip side, a wealthy uh, Ph.D. in Manhattan might not. And on the flip side, I know wealthy, educated people that are devout believers, and I know poor people that are pagans. Um, so it has nothing to do with your background, your education, or your finances. It's the state of the heart, and Jesus is available to any heart that will open up to him. Amen. Matter of fact, he will not be just be open to them. He pursues them. He desires this relationship. He's not just waiting, but the Holy Spirit of God is coming and wooing. And if you feel that today, that you need to know God, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, 
and take my yoke upon me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. Come to Christ. And Alex, going back to verse 6, 7, and 8, notice the word, and, and you use the word perfect. I guess it's King James, but yeah, it's, yeah. it has the word of mature. And it's, right, not, right. it's not the idea of perfection. We do not do that, but we're mature. And notice, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. And you're getting to that. And I was reading to this, it, it, the the gospel message is so simple that the illiterate, that the child can receive it and follow him. Amen. But it's theology and wisdom is so deep that the deepest and smartest theologian can never reach its depth. And that is the gospel, only the gospel. Man's wisdom has so much limitation. Man's mm. knowledge Yes, it has expanded here in the 20th and 21st century, but it's still nothing like God in his. His is the universe. What do you do to come? To, they they've been think they've spotted the, the big black hole, you know, in the Milky Way universe. And I was looking at pictures that they've made of the galaxy, and there's others. Only God is there. He's out there. Mm. He was there before the telescope could ever reach where it was. But here it says, not the wisdom of the age, nor the rulers of the age who are coming to nothing. Let me just share this. You're listening to this program, and you're trying to get your master's and doctor degree, thinking that will set you up for life. It might help you, but I am telling you, when it comes to to impressing God. What you do is come to Christ. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. God, come into my life. I turn away from my way and myself and turn to you. Save me. I want to tell you, God responds to that. And we'll be back with more right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for General Michael Plain, president of the National Defense University. He leads the university that develops leaders through military education of both soldiers and civilians. Proverbs 16.16 reminds us of the importance of education. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to bless Lieutenant General Michael Plain as he leads the education of those who aspire to protect our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Many Christians going through hard times honestly think their luck is bound to change. But Dr. Tony Evans says if you're counting on luck, the changes ahead may not be the ones you're hoping for. He'll explain as we spend two minutes with Tony. The fictional story is told of the frog that went to the fortune teller. He wanted to know his destiny. She looked at the frog and says, well, there is a very beautiful woman who's dying to meet you. She's fascinated at the thought of seeing you. And when you get to meet her, she is going to want to know everything about you. The frog kind of got excited. He said, when will I meet this beautiful woman? 
the fortune teller told him, next semester in biology class. He was thinking life was going to work out one way. And he was actually waiting to be cut up and examined. All of us are concerned about our destiny, whether things are going to get better ever. One of the chief false gods, idols, in our culture is the idol of luck or its siblings, chance, happenstance, or fate. The concept of luck, while I know many people just use it as a throwaway word, it is more than that. It is a competing God of destiny that the Bible says must be rejected. Discover the practices and priorities that'll put God first in every area of your life. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Psalm 14, 2. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so honored that you are listening today. We sincerely appreciate that. And you can listen to other great programming on AFR.net and get the mobile device, the, the app that works on all mobile devices, and you can share these programs. We appreciate that. And we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know, Bert, um, I want to get to 9 and following because this is just some grand part of God's Word. But um, you remember Henrietta Mears, who wrote a very famous book called What the Bible is All About. I really love the life of Henrietta Mears. She was very influential on the life of Billy Graham right. and Bill Bright. But she once said, she said, you teach little by what you say. You teach most by what you are. Mm. And, uh, you know, even Augustine, 1,600 years ago, who was a great Christian leader, we think those were, you know, foreign times because they were so so far back but augustine said what you live you leave he said what i live by i impart what what you live is what you leave said augustine 1600 years ago now when paul says you know uh, i i know nothing but the cross of jesus christ and my savior my lord we can teach, we can speak, we can say a lot of things, but it has to be real in our lives, doesn't it? It really does. And I, I know we're getting to verse 9, but I want to pick up on verse 8 as well. It says, None of the rulers of this age knew, for they had known that if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Alex, Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. And I am sharing with you, the rulers of this age, uh, Usually, the rulers of the age, most of the time, they've been out of step with God. And uh, ever so often, you'd get some, the founding fathers. What, what a great people and a group of people that was. 
that God would raise those kind of men up at that time. Yeah, they had blind spots, just like we got blind spots and different things, every person. But at that time, he would raise them up to set up the United States that would become a beacon of freedom and would become a beacon for the church to grow and become the greatest influence in missions of sharing the gospel of the world than any country who has ever been. And so, mm. listen, the rulers of this age knew, don't don't get so angry and frustrated when the rulers in, of this age, the rulers of this age are out of step. I'll just say, most of the time they have, Alex, and but they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And uh, so Jesus Christ is that Lord of glory, isn't he? Well, he is. He really is. And, and you're right. So often people don't realize, uh, you know, what a unique thing it was that the founders, all at the same time, they were able to come together, the 56 signers of the Declaration and those that were at the Constitutional Convention, and they intentionally built biblical principles into the DNA of this country. Uh, when I read verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Okay, which obviously that's a quote from Isaiah 64 and 65. Uh, Bert, in downtown Greensboro, there's a jewelry store that's been around for well over 100 years. And uh, at Christmas, they decorate. And even though most people go out to the 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 shopping centers, you know. Still, I like to go to the old downtown, you know. So one time, Angie and I were down there, and it um, the lights were off, and we were walk just walking up and down the downtown. And in the window of this jewelry store, there were some things set out, some china plates and some jewelry. And even though it was dark in there, uh, you know, we could see the Christmas decorations. Well, suddenly, right while we stood there looking in the window, the lights came on. And, oh boy, then it really, really did look pretty. And, I mean, we could tell it was nice, but when those lights came on, it just was stunning. That's how it's going to be, folks. You know God loves you. Jesus paid your sin debt on the cross. You've had answered prayers. You, you know God is faithful. I look around this world, you know, it's springtime down south, and there's blooms on the trees, and it's beautiful. But one day, you wait till the lights come on, and it, it's going to be stunning, the beauty of being in the presence of Jesus. And we're, Bert, I think this, this world down here is right pretty. But you, you think about heaven. Um, mm -hmm. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, is not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared. And the reason I say that, and Bert, I'll throw it back to you. Folks, hang in there. Live for Jesus Christ. It One second into eternity, you're going to know it was so worth it. All that you endured, all that you, you had to lean on God to make it through each day, it is worth it. It is worth it. Don't give up all of your faithfulness to Jesus, whatever the price it's, it's going to get rewarded one day. It will. And when we see Jesus, it will be worth it all, no matter where. You read the story, Fox's Book of Martyrs. You read what's going on in North Korea today, in the Sudan today. 
uh, we've got it made compared to what they're going through right now. Oh my goodness! And and those they know heaven's a reality. I I love the old Negro spirituals, and they were written at a time of slavery when they were in bondage. It was written in a time when uh, when many of the black American Christians were being mistreated. And guess what they wa- talked about mostly? They talked mostly about heaven. And they because did, yeah. a better day was coming, and they knew that. And we need to get our eyes on Christ and look at that. Now, if you're, there's no such thing as being so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good, if it's right, if it's the Holy Spirit. And that's what verse 10 is all about, because notice what God does here through Paul. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, Yes, even the deep things of God. So, so Alex, when you have the Holy Spirit in your life and you're looking at heaven, you're looking at circumstances in your life now, you're looking at the wisdom of the world compared to the wisdom and the power of God, the Spirit of God will lead you to this truth. The Spirit for what? It says in verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Alex, no one can come to the Father except the Father draw them. Here it is, the Spirit of God working in our lives to bring us to Christ. And then when we come into Christ, the Spirit of God working through and in our lives to bring us to the understanding of the deep things of God. Notice what it says in verse 10. Yes, even the deep things of God. Uh, He's going to write to these Corinthian church uh, later on. He's going to say to them, you're just on the milk of the word when you ought to be absorbing and feasting on the meat of the word, the deep things. What happens when you're not feasting on the deep things of God? You're not letting his Holy Spirit reign in your life. Alex, this is pretty plain to hear in this passage that the Spirit of God will lead you into knowing Him and knowing Him better and serving Him in a greater way, won't He? Well, absolutely, absolutely. Now, there's uh, just an interesting verse here. Uh, It says, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Well, for one thing, we realize that uh, we are taught by the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, if you know any truth at all, it's because the good Lord has imparted that to you, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord has opened our eyes. Because remember Jesus said when the disciples, especially Peter, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, okay? Now, let's talk about the spirit of a man, uh, because the Bible says that there were really three parts. In other words, First Peter 5.23 speaks of spirit, soul, and body, okay? We often talk about our soul, but really, and the, in the original language here in Second, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2.11, is the word pneuma. So your spirit is that part of you which will live forever, your spirit. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, can speak to your mortal but now redeemed spirit, 
the pneuma within you. But there's also psyche, which is really soul, your mind, your intellect, your personality, your will, your memories. And there's sarks, your body, like a sarcophagus, right? Okay, so we are body, soul, and spirit. Well, Bert, uh, the primary way that the Spirit of God speaks to the spirit of man is through the Word of God. That's why um, emotions are not the, the safe litmus test for truth. I mean, that's why you need the Word. And I know that the Lord influences us, the Holy Spirit indwells us, that's true. But Bert, um, talking about knowing the, the spirit of a man, in other words, know yourself, right? Well, the, the safe, stable, dependable way that we know truth and even know ourselves is that we feed on the Word of God, and the, the Spirit of God speaks to the spirit of man, at least the born-again man, through the Word of God. Alex, when you say that, I'm reminded of praying. I heard this a long time ago. When you pray, pray over an open Bible. Look and see what the Bible says that you don't ask amiss. A lot of times, what we think, if we're not feasting on the Word of God, when we ask God, we ask something that's wrong, that's missing the mark. But through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working together, uh, it not only changes our lives, it changes our prayer life. It changes our witness and our testimony. If you don't put the Word of God in your life, then the Holy Spirit is not able to bring it up at that moment when you Amen. need that Word. And so uh, this is why it's so important. But Paul is really coming down on the power of the Spirit of God in your life versus the wisdom of the world. And, and yes. the Holy Spirit of God can give you what you need. The wisdom of the world, it can give you partially what you need. But the Spirit of God can give you what you need now. And guess what? Through eternity, uh, you know. He, he does not do it any other way. Verse 12, now, when we have, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The spirit mm. reminds us of all that God has given us, and the Bible says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness in this present world. So when we give ourselves availability to him, and we surrender our life to him, then the Holy Spirit of God is able to take the word of God, take the, the graces of God, the fruit of the spirit, able to take the gifts of the spirit, and he's able to use you in a, such a significant way that lives are touched, your life is touched, and your life touches others. The power of the spirit of God here in chapter 2 is, is ringing loud and clear, Alex. Amen. Amen. Well, and, you know, as you mentioned, verse 12, I want to allude to 13 through 16 as we wrap up chapter 2 here. Okay, Paul says, look, we're not speaking the things of the world, not man's wisdom, but the wisdom that the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There's, it's really kind of interesting here. You've got the Holy Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 2.13, uh, three variants of the word spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit who teaches us God's truth, 
and it gets into our spirit. Amen. So you've, I mean, it's it's beautiful. It is. The, the Holy Spirit of God, third member of the Trinity, who the Bible calls him the spirit of truth, and then there are these nuggets of spiritual truth that get into our born-again spirit. Now, how do we know that we can receive this? Verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Bert, I've seen this in witnessing. I've shared just plain as day, simple gospel truth, and some people, they're, they're moved to tears of joy, and other people have a blank look. They can't get it. I know. I've seen that, Alex. You know... I've, I've known sometimes when I have done a better job of laying out the, you know, how to be saved and that person just goes away blank look. And then I've, I hate to say it, haven't done the best job in the world, but the spirit of God draws that exactly. person into it. It is the power of God, isn't it? It is. It's not us. Let, let me tell you, I, the first person who ever walked an aisle I was a young preacher, and I preached the the worst, poorest, <laughs> clunkiest sermon ever. And in the final month, I knew I had just blown it. And yet, I'll never forget, bless his heart, Bobby Barker, a little boy, came forward and said, uh, I'm ready to be saved. And I was like, really? <laughs> uh, and yeah. I, I'll tell you, you realize, folks, it's all on Jesus it's not any strength of man. Certainly not as our power, but it's God's power. And then the one who is spiritual, verse 15, judges all things, really means we have discernment. We do. We, we understand rightly because we've been instructed by God the Holy Spirit. And verse 16, as we close out and about to go to the phone calls, by the way, it's 888-589-8840. But listen to this. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Paul said this, not only in Philippians, but here in Corinth, the mind of Christ. We'll be back with your questions right after the break. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. 
We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he expressed his awe wonder and amazement at the inexhaustible grace and mercy of God in that he saw fit not only to regenerate Paul, but to also find him worthy for appointment to gospel ministry. Paul knows his history as a blasphemer and a terrorist who sought to destroy the way of Christ following. He stands as a witness to the fact that no one, and I mean no one, is beyond the grace of God. Keep praying for your unsaved loved ones. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, and we're going to take your phone calls. We've got some lines open. Alex and I love to get to as many as we can, uh, but we want to be accurate in what we say, and we want to try to answer it. the question you're asking. We do our best to do that, and so we, we hope you'll make that phone call, 888-589-8840. Alex, you're going to run the board today. You're all right and ready to go. I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. How about we go down to Texas and we talk to Kirk in Texas? Can we do that? Do we have Kirk? We here? got Kirk online. Hey, man, Kirk. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Doing uh, great. Uh, Alex, I, uh, my question is, I, I heard you say yesterday, post-receiving Christ, we will give an account. And, and I believe that. My question is, if, if God has indeed forgiven my sin, past, present, and future, um, what are we going to talk about? Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to get to Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, Bert. You know, yep. um, positionally, we are in Christ. The moment you trust Jesus, uh, we we talk about positional sanctification. You are in Christ. You are saved the moment you believe. But then we're going to be evaluated not not saved or lost, but on our service. And, you know, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 and following says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is not the whole human race. This is the the church of all the ages, every born-again believer. And 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and following says that, you know, uh, we will be evaluated. And it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And, Bert, I've always thought about that, that, um, you know, being terrified, because, look, you're saved, 
uh, there's nothing but heaven and joy. But I got to tell you, I think that day that our Christian service is going to get scrutinized and evaluated, um, even though we're saved and we're in heaven and we're going to be there with the Lord forever, hey, our knees are going to be knocking for a little bit, don't you think? I agree. You know, we've talked about this, and uh, we we know that through evangelism expo- explosion. The question is, why should I? If God were to ask, why should I let you into my heaven? It's only in Christ. The second question, what might be? Well, what did you do with what I gave you? Okay. Yeah. What did exactly. you do with what I gave you? And you say, well, it's all locked away. Well, let me tell you, in in chapter 21, verse 4, not only the Bema seat that you were talking about, but in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, I, <clears throat> they, we hear the song, no tears, no tears up there. Uh, well, they will not be after a while. <laughs> but you're just talking about your knees knocking right when you stand before him. Uh, I think we're going to understand when we see him face-to-face, we are. Now, given that account, Kirk, uh, I I honestly believe he won't have to say very much. I think we will remember. Uh, And I use this illustration real quickly. Uh, Jesus told Peter he was going to deny me. He is going to deny him three times, and he did. And after he did that, in one of the Gospels, I forget exactly which one, Jesus is being taken from Pilate to Herod, from Herod to Pilate, back and forth. And in one of those times, Peter was close enough by that he saw Jesus' face and saw him. And it says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Uh, with all my heart, I believe that is a picture of what's going yeah. to happen when we see Christ. So he's going to have to wipe away those tears. So Bert, I'm going to let you take us to the next call. Oh, okay, but, um, I'll do it. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, at the end of time, uh, the way that God judged people, he looked into their eyes. I believe and, it, man. I believe that with all my heart. I don't think amen. a lot of words is going to have to be said. I really don't. Yeah. Hey, let's go to Iowa and talk to Jordan. Jordan, welcome. Oh, Hey, guys. You guys are one of my favorite shows. Well, thank you, well, man. Thank you, friend. Um, so my question is, um, my wife and I are going to be having our first son, and uh, we were in we we're in slight disagreement on whether we should circumcise him or not. Okay, listen. Uh, medically, is what we consider these days. Medically, would it be helpful? Medically, it's nothing spiritual in our day about that. Alex, go ahead. Well, I, I completely agree, Bert. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, you know, I've read enough of my wife's nursing magazines. My wife has been a nurse for 25 years, and uh, uh, I, I would say medically, definitely do. For uh, hygiene reasons, it, it has no spiritual implication right now because we're we're under the new covenant. We're not under the Abrahamic covenant, uh, but so... I would, if I were counseling just as a pastor and my parishioners, um, I would say yes. And frankly, years and years down the road, that that baby boy, someday a young man, will be glad you did. Amen. Thank you so much, Jordan. We hope that helps you. And congratulations, man. Uh, Jen and I had three of those boys, and we got four grandsons. But praise the Lord for one granddaughter. 
she's kind of the rose among the thorns in the Harper uh, second and third generation. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Jordan, for that call. Let's go to Rich in Indiana. Rich, welcome. Uh, hello, guys. I yes. love your show. It helps me bring me closer to God. I have a question. In Leviticus, the 16th chapter, they talk about Moses' brother Aaron laying his hands upon the sacrificial animals and transfer of sin. And then in Jesus' baptism, when John lays his hands upon Jesus, is there any significance or correlation to those two incidents? Okay, Rich, thank you for that. Well, I know, you know, far as real transfer, it's like in the scriptures, laying on of hands. Let me tell you this. Uh, what you're asking, and mine's a little bit different going later. The apostles laying on of hands had some significance. It wasn't just approval. Uh, there seemed to be in those early ages of the church, Alex, some uh, power yeah, through the Holy Spirit into their lives. And uh, so, but John, it was John the Baptist and Jesus Rich. Is that what I, I heard you ask? Go ahead, Alex. Maybe you got it better than me. Well, you know, we, it's funny. We, we talked about this last week. Somebody asked, when did baptism come along? The baptism of John. Um, you know, the, the, the laying on of hands in the Old Testament, sometimes with um, the rituals for the temporary covering of sin, like putting hands on the scapegoat and sending that goat out into the wilderness. Um, I, to be quite honest, I don't see a connection necessarily between the Levitical priestly rituals and what John the Baptist did at some point after the Babylonian captivity. But by the time of Christ, there were the mikvah baths, the ritualistic baptisms uh, that became commonplace in Judaism. And then, of course, John the Baptist had this baptism of repentance, but he was saying, make straight, uh, you know, prepare the way of the Lord. So, um, and then another act of laying on hands, another act still, is the ordination slash impartation of Holy Spirit power during the time of the apostles. Bert, the, the only connection that I could see is that progressively God's revelation of the new covenant was taking place, and not only was there progressive revelation of it, but there was progressive deepening understanding of it, but now um, the laying on of hands in terms of an ordination service, it's almost like an acknowledgement and affirmation. Right. Uh, Bert, I'm sure you've been in maybe a missionary commissioning service. I have ordination service where you lay on hands and you pray. It's kind of like an affirmation. We acknowledge yep. the, what you're doing now and that God's hand is on your life. It is, and being in be a part of one of those is very humbling. To be the recipient of the one where the hands are being laid upon you by some men that have been giants in your life is one of the most humbling experiences I had in my life. I remember that. Rich, we hope that helps you, brother. Let's go to the state of North Carolina and talk to Josh. Amen. Uh, hey, Al, uh, Josh, Alex gets <laughs> excited when somebody from North Carolina calls, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, is there a Bible reference that – dictates whether angels uh, are eternal or they live forever or they, do they have a lifespan? Okay. 
Well, when we talk about live forever, let's talk about that for a moment. Even in human beings, Alex, before we go to angels, I want to. I will not take up a lot of time doing this. Honestly, and, and, we the second death is a death that seemingly continues to happen in the in a person that is lost. Because what happened to the rich man? He was alive after he died in in the place of torment. You know what I mean, Alex? So there's mm-hmm. that life. It's eternal life is not just talking about the uh, the quantity. It's also talking about the quality for the believer, well, isn't it? Yeah, I would encourage people to read. Now listen to this, folks. Revelation nineteen twenty through twenty fifteen. Okay, because all right, what you've got in there, you've got. Uh, the beast, the false prophet, thrown into the lake of fire. Now, Satan and death are thrown into the lake of fire with all of the fallen angels. And then, verse 15 of Revelation 20, whosoever, this is the, the lost human race, whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, the it, eternality of it, Revelation 20:10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the nature of angels, just like the soul of man, is everlasting. Now we say forever, in a, I, I want to be very precise, only God has existed forever. There was a time when angels didn't exist. They were created. There was a time when you and I didn't exist. But the 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 soul of a human is everlasting. The souls of angels, or the nature of angels, is everlasting. So, the unfallen angels will be in heaven everlastingly. The the demons in that lake of fire, Revelation 20.10, forever and ever. Bert, when we're talking about eternity, this is serious stuff. It is. And let me tell you this while we're here on the phone. If you do not know Christ as Savior... You've heard Alex and myself talk about it, coming to know Christ and surrender and, and committing your life and, and asking him to forgive you of your sin, you repenting. If you need help, there's some people you can call talk to. Triple eight need him, the ministry of need him. Triple eight need him, and they will help help you. They're par- our partners uh, in, in helping people to come to know Christ. So if you are listening today and you do not know Jesus, don't go another day without knowing him. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Edwards says, uh, living life without Christ is like a spider hanging on one strand of the web over a fire that mm. could break it any time. You want to get right with God now. Alex, we've talked about not putting it off. So we, we encourage you to call and triple eight, need him, and let them help you come to the knowledge of Christ in your life. Well, let's go to the last call of the day in Texas. Is it Renee or Rennie? Uh, it's Renee. Okay, Renee, welcome, brother. We're glad. What part of Texas are you from, man? South Texas. Okay. Hey, that's a big area. Now, listen. Uh, when you say South Mississippi, we kind of know where you're from. When you say South Texas, uh, you're okay. Uh, it's Corpus Christi. Okay, amen. That is south, right there on the coast. Well, but you yes. got a question for us today, Renee? Yes, I do. I, I enjoy you guys tremendously and, and have learned quite a bit. But I have a question on Bible translations. 
I'm, I'm back new to getting into God's Word, and I love the King James Version. I love how it, how it flows and, and just the wording of it, but uh, I don't want to get confused in reading uh, a translation that the meaning of certain Scripture is, uh, is not right. And I don't know, I don't want to read a certain translation just because it's easier to read, but in the meaning of it, um, is not exactly what it's supposed to mean, meaning uh, I go to Bible Gateway and do the parallel different versions, and the same verse across the board says it so differently. The wordings are so differently, and for me being a, a newbie, I guess, um, I don't want to keep reading the wrong. I know God's Word is not wrong, but I don't want to read um, a scripture that, I'm not getting the meaning, the true meaning. Amen. I, mean, I believe, Alex, you, you read the, uh, I believe the King James, and, and the King James, even the New King James and King James, some of the words that were replaced in the New King James mean completely different uh, meanings as compared to King James. So I'll kind of leave it at that, and, and thank you guys, and, and you guys are a blessing. Go ahead, Alex. God, God bless you. Um, hey, by the way, in Bible translation, it's kind of a word exchange program. And there's what's called the donor language, and then there's the recipient language, okay? Hebrew and Greek, that's the Bible. Yeah, all in all, Bert, a lot of scholars would probably give the, the biggest thumbs up, all in all, to the New American Standard, right. the NASB. That's what I was about to say, Renee. I, if, you're, if you're doing real Bible study more than just reading um, the New American Standard, Alex, I, I, I do that as well. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and let me say, folks, don't don't let this, you know, trouble you, because English, in the case of the Bible, English is the recipient language. And what the translators do, they do their very best to get the meaning across. I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's reading BibleGateway.com, because it's like the, the Antioch Christians searching the Scriptures to see that these things are so. And so the more you read, the more that Word will get into your soul. So just... Um, New King James, uh, NLT, NASB, you, you won't go wrong. Keep on feeding on the Word of God. Renee, I memorized in the King James, and I still, I, I, when I quote it, I quote it in the King James. The words that are changed in the New King James, they're, they're pretty right on. There's a few, but it's pretty right on. So thank you. Keep reading. Keep studying. Alex, we'll mm -hmm. start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tomorrow. Yeah, well, it's been a good day, folks. Thank you for listening. Keep your radio tuned to the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about Explore the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. <laughs>